back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we are continuing our discussion about the Holy Spirit, and we are continuing our discussion, this is part three, on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, with a discussion today about that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the believer. So now we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Some of these can be controversial, some of them are not controversial, but we're going to deal with them as they come along. So we could split spiritual gifts into two categories. And those two categories, well, any number of categories, depending on how you look at it, but these two categories that we are going to split them into are, are some of the gifts are temporary by nature, and some of the gifts are permanent by nature. So let's start out by looking at the temporary gifts and why the scripture says that these gifts are temporary in nature. So let's take a look in um, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Here... What the Apostle Paul is talking about here is that even when he was discussing um, prophecy and tongues and, and that already a little bit, he's going to discuss it more coming up, but he says in the previous verse, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And so that perfect thing that he says, you know, some people believe this is talking about the coming back of Jesus and and such, except he uses the neuter for perfect and not the masculine. And so he's talking about a perfect thing. When the perfect thing comes, what is that perfect thing? That perfect thing is the completed work of the Word of God, the completed canon of the Word of God. And we have that today. And so some of those gifts that were just for the formation of the church uh, and, and such are temporary in nature. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. And we will see here that the gift of the apostle ended with their deaths. Um, Ephesians 2.20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So the prophets he's referring to here are not the prophets of the New Testament, not the gift of the prophet, but the, the prophet in the Old Testament. And so built on the foundation, our our salvation, the gospel is built on the foundation set by the prophets and set by the apostles. Here he's, here he's specifically talking about specific people when he says apostles. Down in chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. And then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, 
third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues, etc. And he's specifically talking when he talks about apostles for the, the apostles that were there were for the formation of the church. And when those apostles died, that gift was no longer necessary because the church, uh, as we talk about the, the, the church working together and the local churches were already established. And so that, that gift was no longer necessary. Um, the next is the gift of profit ended with the completion of Scripture in the sense of profit as in telling the future. Now, there is a real sense that the gift of profit that continues is the person who calls people back away from their sin, because that is really the gift um, that the prophets did in the Old Testament and in the New Testament was mostly they weren't talking about the future. They weren't giving prophecy as much as they were calling the nation and calling the believers back to service in God. But um, let's continue looking in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 8 through 12. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy... And this is the gift of prophecy, not necessarily the person. Um, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. So now the gifts of prophecy will be done away, it says. Gifts of tongues, if there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, when is then? When we have the completed canon of scripture, then face to face. So it'll be a lot clearer. Now I know in part, but then I will fully, I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. And so he's saying here that prophecy will cease. The last prophecy that we have in Scripture is the book of Revelation. And that completed all the prophecy that we needed. The gift of wisdom as an expression ended with the writing of the epistles. Um, again, that same passage, he talks about um, if there is knowledge, it will be done away. He's not saying that we won't know anything in the future. What he's saying is the gift of knowledge, um, of being able to write Scripture, being able to express Scripture, uh, is done away. Now, there is a sense where God gifts people to be able to interpret accurately his scripture, although we take a literal interpretation of scripture as we look at it. Um, but there are those who have a better um, understanding, um, wisdom as an expression. The gift of the word of knowledge ended with the completion of scripture. It was needed before then for the inspiration of scripture, but that is no longer needed. 
The gift of miraculous faith was the sign of the power and authority of Jesus. If we go to Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. And again in chapter 21, verse 21, And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. Now, is he talking about us there? No, he's not. He's talking about this miraculous faith that uh, was needed for the formation and for the uh, um, to be able to authenticate the authority of the speaker before the scripture was completed. And it was even to the point of moving mountains, literally moving mountains. Um, if that were the case today, we'd see people moving mountains around, and we do not. The gift of healing was a sign of an apostle. Uh, again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 12, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. And so these miracles um, were the, the, the healing, the miracles that he's talking about here were both the sign of an apostle, of the gift of the apostle. And so those ceased with the apostles, with the apostolic gift. The gift of prophecy, the revealing of new truth from God, ended with the completion of Scripture. We've already talked about that. It's no longer needed because why? We have, as uh, Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you dwell to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the dark dawns, and the morning star arises in your hearts, but this, but no first, know this first of all that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. And he discusses prophecy of Scripture here because he's saying that this word of God that we have is more sure than someone who gets a gift of prophecy. You can check people against it, and it is a more certain thing. And it is now the standard for truth, not the gift of prophecy. Um, the gift of various kinds of tongues was given as a sign. So if we go again back to 1 Corinthians... This time in chapter 14, and 
1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 21. In the law it is written, By men of strange tongues, and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Now, by the way, that is a quote of Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 11. Um, and that refers to known languages. Let's continue on. So then, tongues are for a sign, he says. It was given as a sign. A sign to show people that the messenger was from God. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all. By the way, as we are looking through here, some have used 1 Corinthians out of context to try and show that the gift of tongues, etc., are for today. Let's be very careful. When we look at the book of 1 Corinthians, we need to understand it in the context in which it was written. The context in which 1 Corinthians was written was Paul, the apostle, writing to the church of Corinth who had taken on the form of the pagans around them, and he was correcting them throughout this whole book of 1 Corinthians about how they had perverted the, the things in the church. Things like accepting adultery, um, things like um, perverting the giving, things that were... Uh, things like uh, dissensions among each other, and things like the perversion of the gift of tongues. And so the first Corinthians, as we look at it, we see that he is correcting their misunderstanding. He is correcting their um, use misuse of the gift of tongues. And He's saying this refers to languages. If we take a look at the Isaiah passage that he just quoted in Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 11, indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. A foreign tongue. So he is saying here that it's actual languages. It's not some... Um, ecstatic gobbledygook that somebody just sputters out and it's different for one person than the other. It's actual intelligent languages. If you want to see that up close, look in the book of Acts during the day of Pentecost when it first started, and you will see that those languages were real. Uh, Peter got up and he started speaking in his own language, but everyone heard it in their own tongue. So when we think of tongues, it's really just not in, it's been not translated. 
just like baptism wasn't translated, the word baptize is actually a Greek word that means to dip or dunk. And so tongues was not really translated either, other than it means languages. So when you have the gift of tongues, you have the gift of languages. So you can speak and someone hears in their own language. Uh, they ended by themselves. If you go to chapter 13 and verse 8 again, he says, um, if there are tongues, they will cease. They will cease. The gift of the interpretation of tongues was only necessary while the gift of tongues lasted. It was only used to translate for those who did not know the tongue that was used. But again, it's a real language. Just like if I were to slip into speaking French or German, um, you would need a translator at that point. Some of the, the gifts are permanent by nature. If we take a look at the book of Acts and chapter 21, verse 8. On the next day we left and came to Caesarea, and entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, we stayed with him. Here we see the Holy Spirit gives some as evangelists. The, and we see that again in Ephesians 4, 11, where he says, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists. So does that mean that the person with the gift of evangelist is the only one that is required to share the gospel? They're the, that's their responsibility. No, it's just that they have a special gift in that. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, the Apostle Paul tells to Timothy, who apparently did not have the gift of evangelist, but you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And so he was telling him, you need to do the work of an evangelist, which would suggest he doesn't have the gift, but he needs to be doing the action anyway. So we all don't have an excuse, but we all need to be utilizing the uh, evangelism as well. The Holy Spirit gave some gifts as pastors and teachers. If you go to Ephesians 4.11 again, he gave some as prophets, or some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Now, if you see he's got an as, or he's got some in front of each, of these gifts, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And so you see that that is grouped together, pastors and teachers. The word translated pastors here uh, in Ephesians 4.11 is always translated shepherd elsewhere in the New Testament. Let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 6, and verse 34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So this gift of pastor, teacher, 
is, is a teacher, obviously, but it also has the heart of a shepherd as they need to lead people. They need to come alongside people. They need to help people grow. They need to equip them for the work of the ministry that we're going to see in Ephesians 4.12. For the, the, these are given for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up the, of the body of Christ. Uh, Jesus gave us that first example that we just saw in Matthew 6, 34, of what that gift looks like. The Holy Spirit then gives some gifts of the gift of prophecy in the sense that it is closely connected with preaching. And again, this is the gift of prophet that we were talking about in the sense that the prophet is the one who calls people back to God, whereas the teacher is someone who teaches them going forward. If we go to Romans chapter 12, beginning in the first verse, Therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, you may say it didn't say anything about the gift of prophecy there, or the gift of the prophet there. No, it didn't. But that is the idea. That's the idea, calling people back. He's urging them, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. No longer be conformed to the world. Change from being conformed to the world to be conformed to Christ. And that is the gift of prophet. Uh, you can see it throughout 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. Next, the Holy Spirit gives gifts, uh, gifts some people with a gift called ministry um, or ministering to other people. If we go down in Romans 12 to verses 6 through 8, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. Again, that prophecy there, he's talking about the person who is calling people back to Christ. If service in his serving, that's the gift of ministry, the gift of serving, ministry. It depends on your translation as to what it, uh, it comes out as. But this is the gift of serving. Uh, next, there's the gift of teaching. And this is not the pastor teacher, but he says if, or he who teaches in his teaching. The next in verse 8, or he who exhorts in his exhortation. That's somebody who encourages. That's the encourager. Um, continuing on, he who gives with liberality. Everyone is called again to give to the work of God, but there are some people who have a special gift to be able to just give over and above, and that is a spiritual gift. Let's continue on. He who leads with diligence, and so some people have the gift of leading in the church. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness, some people have the gift of mercy. Now, it bears saying at this point that the modern-day charismatic movement, which employs a form of tongue speaking that is not known languages, may find its source in two places. 
It may be an emotionally, psychologically desired phenomenon that while involuntary to the individual's conscious expression is a product of his own psychosomatic desire. So you've got yourself so worked up that you break into this. On the other hand, there are verified instances of tongues that are demonic in nature and blasphemous against God. And I believe that's a lot of what he was dealing with in 1 Corinthians when he said, no, you're doing it the wrong way. You're doing it like the pagans who also had a, an ecstatic sort of gobbledygook type of tongues. And you're following them, but this is not how it's supposed to be done. And so it could come from one of those two places. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Freedom Fridays.